Into the Zeitgeist, the comedic research podcast, is funded by you. Thank you. If you want to learn how to support the show, go to patreon.com slash WDM1. Hello and hi. Welcome to Into the Zeitgeist. My name is David Waters, and I'm joined as always by my friend and colleague, Shannon, the rootin' tootin' boffin. <laughs> <laughs> 10 out of 10. Hello. Hey, Shannon, how's it going? It's going pretty good. It's been a good lazy Sunday for us, I think. Yeah, yeah. We met up around noon, and uh, we decided to do the research together this time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we both kind of, like, you already knew a little bit of what we were going to talk about, and, you know, it was something kind of new for me, and so I I did kind of do some research on my own to try and catch up with you, but today was a fun day to kind of bring those thoughts together mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and there was a lot to be said yeah yeah um so uh, for the uninitiated and so that guys is our bi-weekly comedic research podcast where we explore touchstones of the past and drag them back up to be talked about and shit like that yep <laughs> shin i want to talk to you about a few things before we get into today's topic of conversation okay um one i want to I don't know, congratulate ourselves. So this, we forgot to do it last episode during, what was it, the D.A.R.E. episode we did last? Yes. Um, to mention that's whenever um, the official release of the podcast began, yeah. uh, other than the test episode. And so now we're we're on that bi-weekly grind. Hell yeah. So I'm, I'm super excited. We're, we are ahead, and I'm sure y'all will be hearing this way, you know, after. Yeah. You know, this will be like in October. Yeah. That this one will come out. And I just want to thank everybody for all the love that they've shown us. It, it, it's been, I, I, we just got our second patron uh, yeah. over at patreon.com slash WDM1. Thanks, fam. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Literal. <laughs> and yeah, no, just couldn't, couldn't show more love. I, you know, uh, I don't know if I want to talk about it right Actually, fuck it, I'll do it. I think it's right around the time. I think I'm going to discontinue the D&D One versus One podcast. I feel that I can put more effort and have something more more special. That sounds like a grammatically incorrect sentence. Um, it's, I don't, I can have something more special. Yeah, yeah. I, I want D&D <laughs> One versus One to be... The artistic vision I had with it wasn't lining up with what it was being. And so I think I'm going to discontinue it for a little while. We may have, you know, bonus episodes on Patreon uh, featuring it. Uh, but until I get it to that way, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to do three half ass things. And, yeah. But I want to do two kick ass things, you know. That's how I always felt in grad school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What if you're, what's the, what's the phrase? It's like, I'm going to whole ass one thing or, I, I don't know. I don't know. But so nonetheless, I'm going to go ahead and discontinue it. But just because I want to give the audience more quality content 
rather than, you know, yeah. me being a little bit more scattered and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, but no, thank you for everyone who's, who's shown support. I've, I definitely appreciate it. It, it only fuels me to want to continue going deeper down this podcast trail and, and create, you know, become an entrepreneur with it. Me too. And I know it's a little late in the game, but I do just want to shout out Bryn Keenum, who did our cover art. Um, Love you. They had that idea as soon as we, I think we spitballed some ideas around and, um, you know, I wanted something like kind of Twilight Zone-esque and David wanted something kind of, I don't know, space-esque kind of yeah mm-hmm. um and you know we mentioned the idea of furbies and bren just crafted our cover art into their mind and sent it to us and i know i was immediately sold i don't know about david yeah no because no, <laughs> i think i whenever we were talking about naming the podcast what we wanted it to be named i remember coming up with i don't know like set eight different versions of logos for it and i just like couldn't come up with anything and then I our, know. our friend brent uh like ran with it and it was yeah no i couldn't i couldn't have like pinned it on the head same with the music yes um, yes i did want to bring up um lofty beats as well Uh, luke 10 out of 10 i think we posted his spotify link not too long ago on our yeah what soundcloud soundcloud sorry they're all the same to me i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, he, he has an event going on soon. Uh, I think I might go over at Lucky Lou's in Denton. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah um, it it's like at the end of the month. Neat. Yeah. I'm trying to grow out of the music scene a little bit, trying to grow up a little. Oh, <laughs> how appropriate for the topic of conversation. Right. <laughs> oh, it will be. And... um. The other thing I wanted to kind of add, I I, you know, I did want to thank Lofty as well, but to kind of circle back a little bit, I whenever we first started thinking about podcast ideas, I remember um, one of the first ideas we really landed on was the idea of cancel culture, what that meant, who had been canceled. Mm-hmm. Um, we were going to do episodes about things like that, and then we realized that it already kind of exists. And honestly, I think we really caught a lucky break there because cancel culture is overrated at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Seems kind of played out. Everybody's talked every, gone at it every angle. Yeah. And I feel like we couldn't, it's already out there that, but you know, we can't cover any angles if there aren't any, you know. Right, right. Exactly. And so I just kind of wanted to mention that because this topic today was one of the first topics we wanted to do, if you remember, like from the get go, yeah, I think um, so. this topic was on our list. And yeah, you're right because it was we had that like cancel like idea, but then we kind of morphed into a more I don't know spatial thought. Recognize, I don't, I don't know if anybody can follow that one, but because and you know, for me, so to kind of circle back to the title of our podcast mm-hmm. into the zeitgeist for me and that's always been a play on like into the twilight zone like mm-hmm. we're bringing but it's shannon and david's twilight zone <laughs> oh, <yeah>. mm-hmm. <laughs> earlier today we were talking about different dimensions and i can't help but think like 
there's something to that. There's something here in this world David and I are living in that brought us to this point. And now we're talking about all of the things that influenced us up to this point and how those things, you know, created a voice in the time they exist existed within but how that voice has continued to now yeah and transformed or you know transcended i think we said in the first episode like uh, how these i don't know i don't want to say nostalgic items because some of them aren't right chicks for you isn't as nostalgic as it is for me yeah i mean there's a taste of it but yeah i think going this more you know I don't know. Which, spoiler alert, by the way. Uh, (laughs) It's like it was on that episode title. Oh, Oh, that's true. (laughs) Touche. You got me for once. Oh, oh my goodness. We were talking about that earlier, me getting got on last week's episode. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe baloney does not peel off the paint of a car. I know. We're never going to forget that. And I hope y'all don't either. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never forget it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, David and I were just talking, and I think David was going to mention this here in a second, but I'm going to steal it from him. So we'll have an episode that's um, about Halloween to kind of wrap up October, but then we are going to have a reflective episode where I think... Um, there's a lot of things I think even as episodes we've talked about have passed, there's a lot of things that have happened that have continued to kind of even evolve the conversation. Yes. Great word. And so, um, we just wanted to thank people today at the beginning of this episode, but just know there will be a future one. Um, I think it'll be a little more audience and maybe not involved, but recognized. Yeah. yeah. um, No, I would definitely from when we do this today i'd like to start getting feedback on all the oh yeah ones please. That we, and just at least you know um leave a comment you know we'll throw we'll throw you in there okay. yes yes honestly please leave a comment anything um i'll just um shout out uh, my friend justin cook we were in grad school kind of together we never had the same classes but we knew each other and he honestly um hearing about his work and rhetoric actually inspired me to um not just commit to going to grad school but to um go to the university that i did um which was texas women's university i guess i'll just say that Mm -hmm. um and he messaged me and just said that he really has been enjoying our podcast and he actually gave me a recommendation for a future episode and i'm not going to say what it is but i do want to say that when the episode rolls around justin we will shout you out again because that was an amazing idea that um, aside from when I accidentally went on a deep dive this weekend, I have also just been thinking a lot about the idea he suggested. And mm-hmm. sorry, I guess while I have the mic, I also will just shout out my aunt and my mom, Sharon, yes, yes. Aunt Charlotte and my mom, Sharon. Thank you all for being those patrons. Mm-hmm. Got to keep it in the fam. Oh, yeah. No. Well, not, not for long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, not for long. Yeah. We want you all to be a part of our mafia. I'm not going to say we're like Eskimo patrons, but <laughs> I'm just um, We can make cannolis. <laughs> <laughs> Lord. Yeah, so, no. I, Anyways. Shannon, no, no. I, I loved all of that. I, I couldn't mirror your, your thoughts more. I'm so happy with the direction the podcast is going, and 
um, I think the Reflections episode will be a good one. I think, um, you know, like you said, some are uh, like the evolved conversations on each one of the ones we've done. Let's see. Can you, can you, right off the top of your head, in order, name the name episodes? Our episodes? Yeah. The Amanda Show, Furbies, LimeWire, Yik Yak, King of the Hill. Um, King of the Hill, and then it'll be, is it, uh, is it gonna be Dare? Nope, the no. most dangerous game. Most dangerous game, oh, that's my favorite one, too! Yeah. Mm-hmm, so. Okay, most dangerous game, Dare, and then this one. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, yeah so very excited. All the, all the topics we've done, I'd still, like, I... I don't know. I'm, I'm uh, just a no. I, I don't know if I said this in a previous episode or not, but the way my mind works is that I play the association game uh, like 24 oh, yeah. seven. And so like I have these topics have, you know, continued after we get done. Well, after we get off the mic here, I'm still thinking about it, you know? And so uh, I think that reflections episode will give us a nice breath of fresh air. Yeah. So. That just made me think um, the rhetorician Kenneth Burke might call that the, identification game if you will oh okay Okay. Okay. I can dig it sorry I I can't talk today Mm, same Uh, so let's see Uh, Shannon I do want to talk about one more thing of that I've really been I really regret that we didn't talk about last episode Um, you had wrote a blog post um, and I guess you watched which episode was it? It was the Patriot, right? Oh, I listened to the. Uh, you haven't seen that Patriot um, podcast episode, mm-hmm. um, and I wrote a blog post. I don't know how many will have existed by now. This might still be the only one because um, I'm in a busy time in my life right now. But there have been a lot of things on my mind lately. Sometimes, like I just get stuck on a thought, and until I write about it, it just sticks in there and I can't, you know, move on to another podcast topic or something until Mm -hmm. I get it out. And, um, during the time I was writing, um, our first blog, I was really stuck on the purge movies, um, which I'm probably going to bring up just briefly in this episode again, just because there was something that I played the association game too. Let's just say that. Um, And so I was thinking about this idea, which is really interesting. You know, I'm actually kind of glad we're talking about it in this episode because this episode is really going to evolve a lot around these ideas and concepts. Um, So in the Patriot episode um, and in my blog post, um, we David sort of talks about separating the art from the uh, artist. And I kind of talk about the repercussions or the, um, what's a better word for repercussions, consequences of that. And, um, but along with that, I think what's interesting. You're speaking of Mel Gibson. Oh, yes. Yes. I'm talking about Mel Gibson, Mm -hmm. who's in the Patriot. I didn't think we. He is the artist. But there we are. Um, so yeah, but, but what was it? But I don't want to steer people away from that episode of your podcast. I think that there are a lot of really interesting conversations that you bring up that kind of come out both in the purge movies and in today's topic. And 
a lot of that centers around this overarching theme of the intimate connection between um, patriotism and propaganda. Um, And patriotism might not be the best word. It's a word that I use. I think it's appropriate, but other people might think of it as like nationalism. People might think of it as... um, I'm trying to think of like another way you might Mm. um, describe that sort of herd mentality. Like, Mm. um, oh yeah, that's a yeah. Nothing off the top of my head, but I I get your point. Yeah. So, um, I think that in both the Purge movies and today's topic, you see people fighting back against that idea because you're also shown the consequences of what happens when you're so stuck to something arbitrary that you feel committed to, i.e. America, Mm -hmm. whatever, you know, like Texas for us. um, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I guess for me, when I read that, I, I I just I'm so smitten that somebody would write a blog post about me, <laughs> <laughs> an episode of the podcast. But um, other than that, I you know I I've, since probably since I've been in college, I've heard this phrase over and over and over again: art separating the art from the artist. Yeah, and you see this. Um, we were talking about it, and you know we're talking about music today. I see it a lot in music. You know, we get the Michael Jackson um, saying Neverland. Um, yeah. Like that whole bit, you know, R. Kelly being on kids. Yeah. And, um, Kevin Spacey comes to mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Woody Allen. We were ta- just talking about these guys earlier. Roman Polanski. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to bring up the example of, um, r- I think of Rage Against the Machine. Right. Um, I don't know if you're familiar. Are you yeah. Familiar? Yeah. I love Rage. Yeah, I I jammed out to him a lot whenever yeah. I was a dish. My first show, I was a dishwasher. Awesome. I just fucking jam out to some Rage Against the Machine. It's the only thing that would get me through what's the fucking that, shift. What's that one really popular one by them? They have a lot. You're like, they have a lot. I, knew yeah, you were gonna say I didn't that. do an eye roll, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you might as well have. All right, yeah. I know, I'm sorry. There's just one in particular. I think that's just very blatantly like an F you to the system oh i see i can't There's, think of it uh, my favorite of my one head. is called uh take the power back oh maybe that's what i'm thinking of mm-hmm. or um shit. yeah they have another couple i i think of that one in particular because it's just like they were like preaching this like fuck the system fuck the man and which is the message that i am near and dear i, I yeah i don't i'm I'm so over my eight to five. I'm ready to, you know, go do my own thing. But they totally like, you know, they had this, this, uh, you know, I guess, you know, it's a view towards it. And oh. then they were totally like, you know, hypocritical and, and the opposite side of it. They were definitely, oh, yeah. It was kind of like in there. Yeah. I mean, I mean, once you get that big, I mean, well, I think that they're, is a difference between being successful and pursuing success and selling out. I think there's a pretty significant difference in that. But something that you just made me think of, um, to circle back to that phrase you started with, separating mm-hmm. the art from the artist, mm-hmm. um, 
I don't, there's something to me, I know you mentioned Michael Jackson, mm -hmm. but there's something to me that's different about separating the art from the artist when it comes to music, especially when that artist is also the songwriter, um, the, you know, person playing an instrument. Is there a word for that? A better word for that? Band, I don't know, band member, singer. You know, I, I think that there's something... Instrumentalist. Yeah, I guess, sure. <laughs> um, I think there's something different about that because it's so connected so intertwined as to where like we could watch an episode of house of, house of cards and yeah that's kevin spacey but yeah. the plot of house of cards isn't about kevin spacey's life in a way that i think music especially coming from particular artists is a reflection of their life hmm, good point good point i never really thought about it like that because well you made me think about it when you made that point against rage against the machine it's like so you have take the power back that's what the song's mm -hmm. called right yeah. you have take the power back and it's like okay well what happens when you separate the art from the politics with that song what are you left with who are you like i don't know who like what where's your moral compass at yeah threw that bitch in the trash yeah jeez yeah no i mean extending outside of music i'm 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 thinking of Bill Cosby and the Cosby sure, show. Like, sure. And, you know, it's weird. We take it case by case. Uh, I think everybody takes it case by case because, like, nowadays, Bill Cosby, nobody's going to mention, hey, I watched the Cosby show, and, and, oh, my God, it had great family morals, blah, blah, blah. And, like, it's just ostracized from, like, the pantheon of of tv that was, like, I guess, influential on, you know, a certain generations and um and I, I, I'm thinking the same as, you know, Michael Jackson. Like, uh, people sure. still love Michael Jackson's fucking music, but, you know, they choose. I don't know if it's they choose not to. I'm sure some choose not to acknowledge it, while others are oblivious to it. So, yeah. Know, yeah, I mean, you're right. It is about picking and choosing. And then it also turns into, like, where are the different lines between picking and choosing and holding people accountable? Like what you literally just said made me think of um, the whole Aziz Ansari incident. I don't know oh. if we we may have talking about that, spoken about that before on the podcast, but um, I it makes me think like you know I don't know. Do you remember what happened Vaguely. with him? Um, you know, this girl accused him of making her give him a blowjob. Um, and the whole thing was just kind of awkward and uncomfortable. And the girl um, or woman, I should say, didn't actually want to be in that situation. But it's like, well, I mean, there is no but. She shouldn't have had to have been, you know, pressured into that situation or felt like she was forced into a situation she didn't want to be in. But it seems to me that society as a whole has these different levels of where sexual harassment falls and how far someone has to be held accountable for it. You know, um, Aziz Ansari has had a new special come out um, not long after that. So it's like, you know, he didn't, he wasn't canceled. He didn't suffer any financial repercussions. And um, particularly with today's topic that we'll, I'm sure we're about to get to, um, it's just interesting when you think about how... Um, Maybe certain privileges allow people to get away with certain actions, I guess. 
Yeah, yeah. It's interesting you say that. It's like it definitely, you know, they have multiple different degrees of murder for a reason. Sure. <laughs> that's know? a good point. That's a so, good. Yeah. That's a good There's point. A, where, the, the question is, is where is that, you know, dividing line? That yeah. Mason-Dixon line. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, so let's see. Um as you mentioned, yeah, let's let's talk about um, if you want to sh- show your support for the. Uh, I was about to say you haven't seen that movie podcast uh, into the zeitgeist. <laughs> um, consider joining our Patreon, supporting us over there. Um, you know, you can get uh, monthly bonus episodes. You can get some uh, episodes two days early, and then you can also be shout out as a producer too. So that's super cool. And then uh, if you know if you don't want to be. Uh, Go ahead and, and subscribe to our Facebook and Instagram pages as well. I'm sure we'll have the links in the show notes, so check it out. Shannon, it is your week. So I guess we should like introduce... I, I was listening to an episode the other day, and I guess we don't explain what purging your sins is. Yeah, so we do. A, well, vaguely. <laughs> vaguely. But purging our sins, we're going to literally purge our sins. Um, Shannon, I I am the priest this time. You're coming into my confessional to preach True. your sins. Okay, I do like the setup. Yes, yes. And also it makes me feel like I have to... I don't know, take more ownership over my sins. I think in an earlier episode, I see my sin is that I'm going to go home and watch SVU. Like, you did say that. I did say that. <laughs> that was not really sinful, in my opinion. I mean, it was lost, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> it was lost, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I don't, did you already introduce our topic, though, as we. Yeah, um, well, I mean, what's it called uh, your... when you go into the thing and you sit Segway? next to the priest? Oh, confessional. Oh, yeah. Before we go into confessional, oh. <laughs> should we introduce the topic? Uh, does your um, your purging your sin uh, connect to the topic? Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah so, I guess <laughs> you know, just to introduce the topic, I you know, it's the Dixie Chicks, or AKA the Chicks, uh, as uh, they are. Now known as the chicks, formerly known as the Dixie Chicks. Yes, um, you know, I they're an American country music band. Um, it started off as uh, four women. We'll get into that more, and then um, moved to three of them. But you know, they were a you know very humble beginnings, uh, and then they exploded. You know, I think it was like honestly uh, thinking on it, it's just. Kind of like the perfect mix. It's like perfect recipe. You know, I think the Dixie Chicks just with I don't know, Natalie Maines, uh, she's like, I get, who, when I think of the Dixie Chicks, I think of this Natalie Maines, who is the, the vocal. Yeah, and then the two sisters. Mm-hmm, exactly, on the, you know, they're the instrumental. Uh, yeah, instrumental. yeah, but I, um, I still think that that's important, but I guess maybe I should jump into kind of why i think that's important which goes back to the sins yes the sins of my mother's just kidding (laughs) (laughs) um but so yeah i mean i'm gonna be honest um when we were first thinking about episodes and thinking about cancel culture um the dixie chicks popped into my head um i think i had actually listened to maybe uh you're wrong about podcast episode from about 
the Dixie Chicks and, and the Iraq War. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I knew who the Dixie Chicks were-ish. I did not know their names until Friday. Um, <laughs> sorry, which was three days ago. I don't know when y'all will be listening to this, but I will hopefully have now known about the Dixie Chicks for a couple of months. <laughs> um, Pat on the back. <laughs> and that's kind of where like this thing comes from. Like um, we were talking to one of our friends earlier and I, I asked him um, if he liked the Dixie Chicks, if he knew who they were or as they're now known as the Chicks. And he was like, well, I like what they said about George W. And I was kind of like, yeah. Um, and that it's funny to me because before we decided on this episode, the fact that they had said something about George W. was all I really knew. Like, I didn't even really know what they had said. I'd never really listened to many of their songs. Um, I think one of the only songs I'd even heard in the past year by them was um, Earl Had to Die. Is that what it's called? Goodbye, Earl. Oh, Goodbye, Earl. Mm-hmm. Um that was one of the only songs I'd heard by them. And I liked it, don't get me wrong. But I also didn't rush out and go and look into them or listen to any of their other music. I actually heard it um, during karaoke at a gay bar. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice. So it wasn't even actually the the chicks singing it. It was some lady who'd had a few too many. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> that was her sin, though, not mine. <laughs> um, Love it. But... Yeah, and I mean, I guess that even adds to the sin. Like the one time I had heard this Goodbye Earl song for the first time, it was by not even the chicks, but some lady drinking at the bar. Um, So I just, I don't necessarily feel ashamed, but I just feel like this sort of sense that like after having learned about them and their values and their morals and how committed they are to those I feel sort of like I'm just trying racing to catch up to try and like jump on the bandwagon jump on that sin wagon, that sin wagon. <laughs> um yeah and you know I I think I'm getting there and you know it, it is kind of I don't know like it's almost sad for me that this isn't more nostalgic because I feel like if I could have known more about this when it was happening, it really would have formed some of my beliefs quicker mm-hmm. and maybe influenced me in different ways. But I'm here now and right. I'm ready to get started. You know, on the opposite side of that, I am excited for you. or I'm excited whenever topics like these can come up because I get to learn something new. I love to learn new things. There's always that phrase like... I think I've said it like a billion times before, but get smarter every day or learn something yeah. every day or something like that. And yeah, um, I let me think. I, I'm not thinking of any really off the top of my head. Maybe Yik Yak was the one that I had to do the most research for because I was like, what? <laughs> but, uh, nonetheless, uh, still, it's it's fun. It's fun because that's what that is research. That's research for you, and I love it. Yeah. So I mean, I kind of already talked about what I remember from them. I mean, I knew that they said something about George W. I knew they were played on the radio here and there. My my parents didn't really listen to country music, but they'd listen to like, 
you know, those stations at night that play like easygoing music and mm. sometimes a Dixie Chick song like with slow jazz or Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, slow jams. Yeah, yeah slow jams. Mm-hmm. Um but other than that, you know, I, I didn't really know much about them until this episode, but I, I am curious, like, what you remember and how they influenced and affected you. So, I guess if you want to get the flavor, quote-unquote, flavor profile of David Waters, um, you got to know that my mom's side is the, they're from East Texas, and they're the, quote-unquote, like, cliche cowboy. Gotcha. And if you had a little bit further east into uh, Louisiana, northern Louisiana, uh, right outside Shreveport, which we'll we'll talk about a little bit later uh, in the episode, which is funny, uh, that's where my dad's family's from. So okay. they they aren't the southern Cajun, but mm-hmm. uh, they are some sort of Cajun. Yeah, <laughs> they're not the crawfish Cajun; they're the boar Cajun <laughs> or the bass fishing gotcha. Cajun. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so nonetheless, yeah, that's definitely flavor profile. And so just, it, it makes me think, I was thinking of this earlier, like I am just a product of my environment when it comes to this particular music genre, because, Hmm. you know, my mom was very heavily influenced by that. You know, she grew up on a farm and, you know, know, close enough to where they're still with like public schools. It wasn't like... (laughs) Fucking, I gotta take off three days and fucking go bail hay or right. whatever the fuck. But, um, or at least I don't think so. Um, but nonetheless, uh, just a byproduct of that is her just liking country music and and that you know s- style. And you know, growing up, I would there would always be. Would you consider Celine Dion country at all? No, no, not at all. Well. N- Along with Celine Dion and Enya, my mom would play some <laughs> Dixie Chicks. Uh, you know, every, every family has it. Saturday yeah. or weekend cleaning day or whatever the fuck and the pop on some music. And, and the Dixie Chicks were a part of that rotation. So, um, and then personally, like, you know, uh, you know, that was the only like music genre that I was around. Really, My dad really influenced me in like the hair metal gotcha. um, 70s, 80s. Yeah. And that, like, it, it formed into this, like, I really like, um, like, rock metal, I guess. Yeah. Um, nowadays and more pop. But, you know, back then it was country-centered and, like, <laughs> like cliche ACDC rock and roll. Yeah, I gotcha. Type-esque. And that included, I love, I remember one year specifically for Christmas, we were at a big get-together at my mom's family's place and my uncle, uh, and he came up to me. He's like, hey, what do you want for Christmas? Like a few weeks before the event or whatever. Uh, big potluck or whatever. And he was like, what do you want for Christmas? And I was like, mm, you know what? I was really into the country music. And I was like, I want that new Shania Twain. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, that, I think that was the feel like a woman. Yeah. Uh, CD. Like, I remember it being really the music video for it being like really futuresque. Yeah. And she was like falling onto these like flying cars, <laughs> <laughs> like hoods of cars. And I'm like, oh Lord, this is good. And then I, I'm kind of, after reading all this, we'll get into Toby Keith's letter, but I was I was a really big Toby Keith fan, like really big. Um, not so much after after doing a little research. Uh, yeah. So we'll um, save that a little bit later, but I do also want to mention the um, – in college, uh, Shannon, like I said, came over earlier, and we, we've been spitballing the whole time, and uh, she kind of knocked a memory um, – of my college days back in back into my sightline, 
of I took this class called Music and Human Imagination. I took that class Did too. You really? Yeah, great fucking class. Great class. Great fucking class. I learned so much about music in that, and uh, like part of the class was about the like not the mathematics, but the. I don't know how you're supposed to outline a musical piece right. or something like that. But then it was also how people interpret that. Right. And so th- it's funny that we come into, like, for example, Toby Keith and Dixie Chicks, they're prime examples, which we'll be talking a lot about. Yeah. Um, they kind of, uh, I don't know, create these thought bubbles that people kind of get absorbed into. And it's funny that you can kind of go either way. Yeah, you know, um, a few things you said earlier, too, really stuck out to me. Um, The first thing was that it just kind of occurred to me, you know, you said um, the Dixie Chicks, Celine Dion, and Enya were on rotation. I think, you know, in our minds, we're thinking back to a time where you were either at the mercy of CDs or the radio. Like, you couldn't put on Spotify and create a playlist that had Enya, Celine Dion, and the Dixie right. Chicks. Like, they were literally on rotation. Like, you had, had to like switch them. Disc changer or oh my God, yeah, they had those mm-hmm. things, and you would just press the number which one you wanted, and you had to remember which one was which. You want to know what that fourth CD was? Can you guess? In the in the mm. disc changer, I don't think you'll ever guess. Um, I'm gonna guess Garth Brooks. No, no, it's actually like uh, like white noise whale sounds. You <laughs> 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 don't ever like the I don't know the, I don't know what album or whatever <laughs> like switch over. You just like, <laughs> like okay, I'm all right, dead. time for me to go to my room, oh. chill out, play video games. Oh. Clean, clean the sessions over. That's uh, that's just like the 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 bell. Time's <laughs> up. Whoa. Like, like some Gregorian chant of, <laughs> from another Hi. world. I don't know. I'm fucking no. That's awesome. I am dead at that. That's hilarious. Anyways, mm. so that so, was just something that made me think of. I thought there was something else too, but um, that that was the main thing I was thinking about. How um. Yeah, it, it, it's like, well, and I guess this is kind of connected to that. So I think as we'll see, the role of radio and album sales really becomes um, an important theme or topic throughout this conversation because of that. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of glad that we did this episode. It's, I don't know, maybe like fucking universe, planets align type shit that the LimeWire episode released today. And we're talking about. I know. I know. A different aspect of music, but yeah. I think that's kind of where my mind was going when I was thinking about how, like, our parents are changing CDs because we, you know, had our secret burn CDs that they couldn't know about because then they know about LimeWire. (laughs) (laughs) One that got like black sharpie on the top of it. Shannon's mix. Right. Right. Shannon's funky mix. (laughs) Thanks for the memories, Soldier Boy. Well, okay. Shannon, let's go ahead and, and jump into the meat and potatoes. Um, as, yeah, let's do it. Some would suggest. Uh, so the Dixie Chicks, uh, they formed in 1989 with Laura Lynch on upright bass, Robin Lynn Macy on guitar, and the instrumental savant sisters, Marty and Emily Ir- Ir- Irwin? Irwin. 
Yeah, they changed their last names a lot, though, so who even knows if that's right? I think it's Marty McGuire, which I actually think has a better ring. <laughs> yeah, Marty McGuire name. does sound good, but they're sisters, so at some point they must have had the same last name. Anyways. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's the... That's the early. I like them. I I will say, I, I guess this can also go back to my son. I wanted to look into more about them, but I, I really do like both of them um, and respect both of them just as much as I do Natalie. Um, so, yeah, anyways. Yeah, still. They're, ta- they're all talented. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I mentioned a little earlier, they did come from like pretty humble beginnings. They, you know, were playing these like small, you know, I think, uh, where I was reading, they played like some small Christmas pageant and, and things like that just to, you know, get their foot in the door and things like that. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, they started play up, they started to play up this like, uh, cowgirl motif, um, and they actually even uh, got on the Grand Old Opry stage. Yeah, yeah. Did you read about that? This was before Natalie, though, right? This is um, when yes, they're still. Yeah. So, so yeah, the the four founding members: Laura, Robin, Marty, and, and Emily. Emily, yeah. Um, the two sisters, Marty and Emily. Yeah, and so so it was with them where that whole kind of like yeah, what, what's is, that called like. Uh, Oh, um, like, yeah, maybe you said debutante, but isn't there another word like, um, love that word. What? Debutante. You love you that word? I love that word. Why? Just a nut ring. Okay. Anyways. Maybe God. But those like types of dresses, I feel like there's another name for that, but that really comes from their original band or happens in their original band, I think, you know, they kind of change their look over time, like the clothes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Sorry, that's, and that's, that's where I was going with that. I was really mentioning is that they, uh, you know, they're always, they were always under that, you know, whenever I looked at them, like a really high level, I always considered them under that genre of country. Um, and you can see, you can even see, you know, in the, the imagery that they have for at least their you know first couple albums, it's still, playing up that you know cowboy you know motif or whatever and which i mean good for them to play to you know the the market you know yeah i mean there's Um, that's definitely like a culture right like cowboy culture and i don't necessarily think that all cowboys should have like a stereotypical association and i think music and films and books have shown us like cowboy range if you will <laughs> ah, sorry uh, that was a good pun too but i mean i'm thinking of have you ever seen blazing saddles or i have not I heard uh, it's really but you know of it right like um so gene wilder is is in that and then um i'm trying to think gene hackman Huh? Oh, no. I'm just thinking. No, I'm just trying to think of like other examples of cowboys and culture. Um, Oh, City Slickers. Uh, That's another one. Sure, yeah. And and I just think like, I don't know. I I can. Three Amigos. There you go. That's funny. Um, So it's like I can think of all these different movies that feature cowboys, but no cowboy is alike. I almost feel like. They all cowboys intentionally try to distinguish themselves, whether it's 
<laughs> I hate to call m- another one of my uncles out, but he, like, to distinguish himself, he wears a handkerchief. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Aw. So throw your initials on that. <laughs> Anyways. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that's... Um... So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, they, you know, they were doing good. Like I said, they got on the Grand Old Opry, you know, stage, but, you know, still wasn't getting that national airplay that, you know... Um, they needed to grow, I yeah. guess. But that is until uh, winning the uh, Best Band Award at the 1998 tell- Telluride? Oh, that says 1990. Telluride. 1990 Telluride Bluegrass <laughs> We're Festival. We're doing this again. Just kidding. <laughs> 1990 Telluride. I don't know how to say that either. Yeah, Telluride. Bluegrass Festival and uh, opening for a few big names, uh, Garth Brooks, Reba McIntyre, and George Strait at, at different points. I, I had to pause here. Shannon, did you ever watch that Reba uh, sitcom? No, I've never really been a big fan of her, but that one song she has about a sex worker is interesting. Oh, fancy? Yeah. <laughs> fancy. She's great. I, I love the uh, Reba sitcom. I love really? It. I love it. It's so funny. It's so funny. I don't know what it was whenever I was a kid, but um, just mm. like it fucking worked. And I think it like it was fucking cross promotion for her music. And yeah. Because, oh, no, that's Dolly. That's Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton has a great song called Nine to Five. And I oh, yeah, love. yeah, yeah. There's actually yeah. a movie called Nine to Five. With yeah, her yeah. Um, but, and then uh, Reba has a, another good one. Lights went out in Georgia is another great song. Anyway, we're good. This is my country. This is the country undertone of David, the flavor profile of me coming out. Who's that one guy that sings that song that's like, you gotta know when to hold them? I don't know when to hold them. No. I couldn't tell you. I feel like there's some country singer that I like. Maybe it's Garth Brooks. But I feel like there's someone. Oh, I, I, I think Garth Brooks sings that song. But I, um, as we've been talking and thinking back on country music, um, mm-hmm. it's weird to me. We we haven't even today even talked about Johnny Cash much. Yeah, no. thinking about influential country artists. That's... I think that you know, I didn't. I you know, in my research, I didn't reference it at all. But uh, you know, she says the. At least that Natalie Maines, the, you know, we'll talk about her taking the center stage here in a second, but uh, her having those influences of, yeah. of the deeper, like outlaw country, if you want to call it that. I love that. Um, you know, so yeah, it's great. It's great to you know, see that. And maybe that's my thing. Like if I'm going to be a cowboy or a cowgirl, whatever I feel like that day, um, mm-hmm. I want to be an outlaw. I don't want to be. Um, a, de- a debutante necessarily. I don't want to be the Carrie Underwood or, you know, I right. want to be messy. I want to be blank space like mm, Taylor Swift, but country, yeah. <laughs> just country rugged. with mascara running down my face. Oh, yes, yes. I love <laughs> and it. And I, I also it. am a cannib- can- cannibal, I think. Is, can- am I saying cannibal. that word right? <laughs> I forgot how you say cannibal. Um, <laughs> country music and cannibals go <laughs> hand in hand, but... <laughs> Yeah, there's like that uh, Jeffrey Dahmer musical. A country musical? I don't know if it's country music. Oh, no, I have no clue. We'll have to look into it later. I don't know. That's why I associated like a musical with cannibalism. I'm not. Oh, oh, Repo. The genetic opera. (gasps) 
What? Repo, the genetic yeah. opera. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. I've heard of it. I've never. I'm yeah, but there's a lot of stuff like that. But anyways, <laughs> I forgot where I was going with that. That's nah, okay. I think I finished that thought at some point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No. Moving on. Um, so after they, uh, you know, they had all these, you know, um, opener acts, whatever you want to call them, um, in the biz. But you know, whenever they started to work on their next album, Robin Macy, this is the uh, lead guitarist. She departed, citing that she quote wanted to devote herself to a quote pure bluegrass sound unquote. Yeah, so I don't know. I like I said, I I never looked up Laura Lynch or Robin Macy. I, I did um but Emily and um Marty. Marty, they were both in Shut Up and Sing, which I did watch in preparation for this episode. It's a documentary about um the Dixie Chicks, um, but it's with Emily Marty and Natalie. Um, so I'm not really too familiar with the former members, but they talk a little bit about them at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And I just got the vibe that they were a little bit older than the sisters. Does that oh. sound right to you? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I so it, so. it kind of makes sense to me that Emily and Marty would want, you know, a more contemporary sound while Laura and um, Robin may want to like stick to their roots in essence, you know? Yeah. So making me think of who the who the captain of that ship was. Um Whoever, you know, initially had the thought for, you know, a band or whatever. Nonetheless. Um so uh, talking about Laura, she so they started talking with Sony Pictures and uh they signed a development deal with them. Um that is when the band replaced Laura Lynch with Natalie Maines. Um, they they were actually introduced to Natalie Maines uh, by a professional steel guitarist named Lloyd Maines, her dad, Natalie Maines' dad. Uh, Lloyd passed on her audition demo tape uh, that won her a full-ride scholarship to the Berkeley College of Music. And uh, I think I, I mentioned earlier, like, she was influenced by, like, rock and, and the blues, yeah. like, all that old, you know, good stuff. And... Um, I think it was at this moment that they were poised uh, for success. Um, yeah. Just in, in, and how, I guess, Natalie Maines is a powerhouse, you know, with getting a full ride on music. Shit. Yeah. Um, I could, I could <laughs> you know, fucking, the, there's no planets aligning on that shit for me. In the movie, though, it does say that, or her, I think it's her dad says she was only there for like a semester and then she met Emily and Marty and she was like, yeah, this seems like a better decision for me. Yeah, I would do, sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and yes, yeah, so her dad was this famous um, professional guitarist and I think he also like mixes sound in a way. Like, I'm not really familiar with those processes. Steel, steel guitars? Um, but no, no, no. He like does like soundboard mixing and like, oh, uh, like are you I talking about him... where it's just the strings? Yes. That is also a steel guitar. Oh yeah. It's just a different version of it. It just doesn't have like the, what you think is like the big hollow that... thing. So. Now I know what a steel guitar is. Mm-hmm. Thank mm-hmm. you, David. Yeah, I, think you I didn't, I honestly did not... not know that, but they show him using that in, um, the documentary. Like it looks like a cylinder on his finger and he's just like, yes. going back and forth. Yes. Yeah. It's kind of blowing my mind. I didn't realize that's what that was called. But yeah, it shows him do that. And yeah, he's really talented at that. Yeah. Well, um, I haven't seen anything of his, but you know, hey, 
Just, just I don't know. Berkeley, Berkeley's a name, so you know, getting into something like that. Well, Berkeley College of Music. So <laughs> let's be specific. Sorry, here. I mean, there's a Berkeley in California. That is true. That is true. Um, that's like a popular one, anyways. Like, I think it's probably pretty prestigious that you got into College of Music. Right. Yeah. Um, I also thought it was interesting how you pointed out just a second ago that her influences were like the rock and blues. She says a lot in um, Shut Up and Sing, the Mm -hmm. documentary that, um, yeah, she never even really listened to country music that much, like growing up. Oh, really? Yeah, like rock. She had more of these types of influences. And I'm sure it's said, but I can't really remember but i i guess it must have been just marty and emily getting her into the band that she really started pursuing country and i'm sure it also probably had to do um with for a while there um i feel like country music was a genre that was songwriting was really pertinent to it like your lyrics were precise and told a story told a narrative um kind of like we were just saying like with fancy or nine to five even kind of does it a little bit maybe not as much um dolly parton definitely has other songs that do jolene off the top of my head mm-hmm. um that just tell these stories and i think there's a sort of freedom in country music especially at this time to have that that didn't necessarily exist in pop music. Like you had Britney Spears singing Hit Me Baby One More Time. You had Genie in a Bottle. Like there was a pretty stark contrast between lyrical depth, I think, between genres during this time. Mm-hmm. That's maybe transformed a little bit today, I think. Yeah. Um, I forgot to mention it, the you know the introduction of the topic, but I definitely wanted to try and, you know, get everybody to start thinking about that uh, post 9-11 uh, uh, mentality. Well, yeah. That, okay. That's great. That's a great word. Um, Attitude. You know, just the, the, I don't want to use patriotism to be redundant, but uh, that there was pro America propaganda everywhere. I was listening. There's a great podcast that I listened to. Um, definitely, you know, it's called knockback. It's a nostalgia. I think oh, you've I told me about, about that before. before. Yeah. They did the uh, 2001 Spider-Man movie with Tobey Maguire. Oh, not Marty Maguire, <laughs> uh, but no, uh, with him. And literally, the final shot of the movie is of Spider-Man on you know the classic Spider-Man. He goes up to like the pin of a tall building oh, and he, wow. he perches. But in the back of it, it's all an American flag. Like yeah. a huge American flag. Yeah. And the, the, uh, they did something. I think we talked about it in the Zoolander episode of the movie podcast that like a lot of people were removing the Twin Towers from from movies and things. Like oh that yeah, at that time. And so there was like I don't know there was just this like you said mentality. I was just like I I almost wanted to describe it as like a fervor. Honestly, you know, nine eleven was a horrible fucking act. Obviously, we're gonna be a little bit hurt about that. And it I it some people took it to the nth degree. Um, I think, you know, only rightly so, you know, in some situations. Um, but, and, and that's, you know, we, I don't want to jump ahead, but this is where we start getting into some, you know, more, yeah. more dealings with the, you know, ideologies, I guess. Yeah. Sorry. I really wanted to let you have that thought because, um, you brought up a, re- a lot of interesting points and, um, what it 
kind of makes me think I've never heard this phrase before, but it's kind of like there's a traumatic residue of what happened after 9-11, like the response to it left this sort of traumatic residue that, I mean, we even still see today when we go to an airport, like you have to take your shoes off, mm-hmm. like you, yeah. you know, um, and I think too, putting 9-11 into this conversation, into this context, it also, to me, points to how important and how brave it was for the Dixie Chicks to use not just their music, but their platform to take a stand. And I know we'll get to that a little bit more in a little bit. We want, it looks like you maybe want to talk about some of their original hits first, um, because they were, I think, right. It's, it's up until this point let's see what do you have here yeah laura and uh robin they left the band and natalie yeah and this is where they really hit big commercial success with their uh, debut it says debut album but they had more before i think debut just means like on the billboards or whatever Hmm. uh at least please don't quote me on that lord uh but the first one was called wide open spaces and the second was called fly yeah Wideman Spaces entered both uh, the country and pop charts and set a record for the best-selling group album in country music history. So much so, I think it's, uh, it, I didn't put it down here, but it was 12 million. And I think over 10 million, it becomes a, uh, a diamond seller or a diamond album. I don't know how that fucking system works, to be honest. But Do you know, um, I'm... I have a couple questions for you. David is taking over as expert today. Um, First off, have you heard, so Wide Open Spaces is is the name of the album, but it's also a track on it. Have you heard that? Title track, yeah. Oh, that's my favorite Dixie Chick song. Seriously? Oh, oh, shit. I can't (laughs) believe you did that. I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it, but it sounds like something I maybe would have liked been really into when i was 12 <laughs> oh my god oh my god um i, just I have a lot to think about tonight shannon <laughs> i don't hate it and to be fair like i was a smart little kid so there's that but um Damn, kick me while i down. do like i didn't hate the song i will say i just listened to it for the first time earlier today i only listened to it once so i don't even changed, yeah. really have room to talk but um, I did read about that song um, in an article. It's linked in the show notes about how um, Wide Open Spaces became like this anthem for like daughters coming of age that, you know, made fathers and mothers all emotional for their daughters to come of age. And that's kind of how it exploded. Oh, that's funny to think about. I, 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 we talked about it before, but there's this other country music artist called Gretchen Wilson, and there's a song that she does called Suds in the Bucket, and it's about, the song is about her literally ditching, like, <laughs> she was, like, washing clothes or something, put them out on the, the drying line, she just fucking throws the suds in the bucket, throws the brush in the bucket, is like, peace, and, like, gets in this dude's truck and fucking rips off. very really outlaw country (laughs) that's true that's a good point um yeah so yeah they i wide open spaces for me the i get 
So I have to admit, Shannon, there's a, a mini sin for you um, just to get you over till next week. Um, I don't listen to the lyrics a lot of the time with songs. Oh, I like okay. listening to the That's beat. Fair. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't know what the Wide Open Spaces was about. But when I did, I was like, okay, this song means a little bit more to me. It just means like I need a little breathing space. And I kind of felt that whenever I moved to Denver originally. I get that. Yeah. So yeah. Maybe that's why I connect with that song a little bit more. I do get that. And it's a sweet song and i think when you look at it in that way that definitely gives it a little more nuance than i guess i i did watch the music video that went with it so that probably influenced me it was like from the 90s and uh, really <laughs> yeah so maybe if i had just listened to it i would have taken something more like you did away and i do get that i think that's sort of something a lot of people see in their music is just a sort of connection that it's it just kind of moves beyond a surface level connection to a certain point i like tech nine and he has a song called riot maker and i am not a riot maker (laughs) i'm trying to think of a song that i like that i don't have a connection to i guess i i mean i like kendrick lamar but i also understand i don't have that identity you know i Mm -hmm. can't share those same exact feelings or even you know get close to some of those but uh, but i do appreciate his music as an artist and enjoy listening to him um i did have another question for you though to go back to the dixie chicks um so we mentioned wide open spaces and they continued with fly um two questions one was sin wagon on fly is that what i'm remembering yes yeah okay we liked that one that was a fun one i'm usually i've since Shannon was as wasn't as well versed in the Dixie Chicks, I started to send her a few songs, and you said that the Sin Wagon one was one of your faves. Yeah, yeah and and I think you know what's funny is um, you mentioned liking the music. I usually don't like music that's so twangy like that, rootin' tootin', if you will. Yeah, I will allow it. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> that's a good way to put it because yeah, that's exactly. I was like, it has more of an upbeat bluegrass a real bluegrass like a beat you know yeah and and maybe it's that honing in on the bluegrass is why i like it it's not just twang it's got this like other sort of bluegrass instrumental undertone that i just love and i think you know um particularly that song really just highlights um marty and emily's you know significant contribution to the band's success and their sound and their intent and their you know the story they end up telling with a song which sin wagon doesn't have a whole lot to tell but what it does sure is you know um well i i was gonna say i don't want to say controversial but i'll just tell you i read earlier that um what is it she says something about making her uh, hanging around what does she say there's like some what in the sin wagon song what are those lyrics where she's like oh mattress dancing mattress dancing yeah, thank you thank you i was like song, come on there's a what was it? i think i have it right here yeah i read no nah, i don't but, but mattress dancing that's exactly what i was thinking of um i read that sony was like really hesitant to put that on the album um but the dixie chicks were just kind of like i mean it sounds better than bucking um <laughs> i have here that it says um it says however a few songs of theirs uh, brought controversy within their conservative conservative 
country music fan base. The two songs caused some radio stations to remove the chicks from their playlist. One, Sin Wagon, from which the term mattress dancing takes on a new <laughs> twist. And Goodbye Earl, a, a song that uses uh, like dark humor in telling a story of an unabashed murder of a, uh abusive husband. And... <sighs> It's funny that they mentioned these two songs like right up back to back with one another because she says in in an interview that uh, Maine's comments that uh, Sony worrying about the reference to mattress dancing and Sin Wagon, uh, you know, she refused to discuss it uh, because um, it's like comparing mattress dancing to like first degree murder. It's like, it's like what we were playing apples to oranges here. Yeah. So, uh, and it's funny in the song, the, I think it goes a little mattress dancing and she's like, yeah, I said it, a little mattress dancing. <laughs> yeah. That's like so she true. just had to say it twice. <laughs> that's so true. And it's funny to me because that's sort of like their original finger to the man you know i love that i love that it's this song that like honestly the first time i heard it i couldn't understand any of the lyrics i was just like oh this is fun and then i like (laughs) slowed it down and like listened to it again and i was like oh that's kind of you know that's uh dicey i like it (laughs) (laughs) you're right i mean it's dicey for like that kind of style right like that's a really unique um i don't know what you call that but like it's uh it's 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 revisioning the genre making another outlaw country but then you know and some of it is outlaw and some of it is very like a little more serious not as much with their early stuff i noticed mm-hmm. um like wide open spaces a little bit more serious, yeah but it's tempo. still like country like you know you get happy vibes from it kind yeah. of like you or peaceful vibes like um and then you have sin wagon <laughs> which is like not and it's 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 like it they're they're exploding the genre in a way that i think for me personally the only other person i can think who's really successfully done that is taylor swift and i guess we could argue that the dixie chicks maybe even weren't successful at this i would probably you know fight someone if they wanted to fight me about how great they are but um, I think when it comes to trying to go against what is traditional in the genre, you, as an artist, you're, you're still having to consider the pushback you're going to get, which is unfortunate, but I like that the Dixie Chicks just didn't care. Yeah. You know, I was thinking that, you know, if I was a Joe Schmo on the street and I looked and I was like, oh, the chicks, what is this? Let me look at their back catalog, their discography. Um, if I heard Sinwagon, I would think that that would be a completely different band. True. From what their other music, I guess, is. Yeah. It is. I feel like a lot of their music is that slower tempo, but then they also have songs like Sin Wagon that really, like, I don't know, um, personify that that twang you were talking about. Yeah. Um, I was also going to ask you, so um, the other popular album was Fly, and that was the one Sin Wagon was on. So was, 
Um, I didn't look at the like discography for those two. Was mm-hmm. Fly also a song? Uh, I, yes, I do believe so, but I have not heard it. Okay. Um, I was just curious because it seems like the pattern is that um, every every album is named after a track. Oh yeah, yeah. I feel that's like with a lot of music. Wouldn't you say? I mean, theirs is consistent, though. Like, I can definitely think of times when... Well, I guess it was the 90s, too, and that definitely was very popular in the 90s. Yeah, that is true. Sorry. Yeah, I'm thinking about, like, other genres now and, like, what other examples I can think of. But, yeah, no, you mentioned that that, uh, second album, uh, Fly, actually became their second Diamond album, selling more than 10 million copies. Yeah, I think uh, we listened to a podcast in in preparation for this. What what was that called? Oh, it was called uh, Rivals, Rivals. which is I I I think it's a yeah. Go listen to it. It's a great episode. I really they they were they were really on their ball with the information. Yeah, um, and and something that they mentioned were was that at this point, like with like all the albums beforehand up to flight combined, I think they'd sold like thirty million something albums. Mm -hmm. Um. It's really funny, too. I, I didn't make a note of this in here. I don't even think I wrote it down. But in Shut Up and Sing, um, <laughs> they have a moment where they're talking to Natalie Maines, and she's so excited. It's, um, you know, bef- before the incident that we're about to get to and talk more about. It's before that, and she's so excited. She's like, we've sold 30 million albums. She's like, Sony gave, like, this movie star a new car. They gave this movie star blah 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 they gave this movie star that she's like what am i gonna get like she's like so excited and they gave them like i don't know something so minuscule like not any kind of grand gesture like i think she said it came in like a small box i can't remember what it was they gave them i might have been like a keychain but i don't think that's right but it was something comparable to like imagine someone giving you a keychain right (laughs) um she was it, it that to me too that kind of struck a chord with me um to think about how as women in the music industry they're still just so even though they've proved time and time again their potential for success they're still just being put on the back burner anyways hmm. yeah that. <laughs> yeah let's jump into it so the big elephant in the room um is the comments that they made uh, back in 2003. This was in March 2003. The Dixie Chicks performed at the Shepherd's Bush Empire Theater in London, England. Uh, it was the first concert on their Top of the World tour in support of their sixth album uh, to introduce uh, their song Traveling Soldier. Uh, Natalie Maines uh, told the audience... Uh, it, wait, told the audience the band uh, told the audience that the band did not support the imminent Allied invasion of Iraq and were quote ashamed that President George W. Bush was from Texas. Uh, many American country music listeners supported the war, and Maine's remark triggered a backlash in the United States. The Dixie Chicks were blacklisted from thousands of, of country music stations, uh, and uh, band members received death threats. Uh, you mentioned a little earlier, I think. Um, you know, Maine's, she 
issued an apology uh, saying that her remark had been disrespectful. And she actually, which I'm glad she rescinded in in uh, 2006, excuse me, uh, saying that Bush deserved no respect. (laughs) 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 The backlash uh, uh, damaged their sales and and their music and the next tour. And literally it would, you know, kind of snowball. Yeah, um, from what I remember from the documentary, um, one, I don't think her apology was like all that uh, genuine. So there's it, that. It felt a little, little uh, <laughs> contrived. Corporate, yeah, well, a little corporate-y. Like yeah. She had to do that. Yeah, like they, honestly, the, they know. were probably worried about being sued or something. I really can't see her doing that unless it was going to like affect others, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, in the movie, it talks about how... Um, the backlash, like he said, it destroyed album sales and um, kind of, you know, disrupted the future of them, too. And it, it was just almost kind of sickening to me how um, much, I don't want to say stock, but like how much, you know, people put into music like they're and they kind of talk about this in rivals too like they're women like they're, who like an NFL sing team songs yes that's no like sportsmen or like the i don't know allegiance to a certain i don't know no yes i love that because um and maybe you read this quote earlier too it, it they re- reference um laura ingram saying or is it laura ingram or maybe another news reporter saying that lebron james should shut up and shoot like oh, yeah and that. and so it's like to me you know i don't want to say that like the dixie chicks were the first ones to like kneel during the national anthem like that's not what they did Mm -hmm. but they used their platform to take a stand before a lot of prominent people famous people celebrities singers actors whatever Mm -hmm. were willing to do that were willing to make that choice and um it's sickening to me the response that they got for just believing in their morals i think i was telling you earlier um in the movie, it shows all these clips from all of these awful things um, the media had to say about them. And it, it wasn't even just like Fox News. There were like entertainment channels saying like terrible things about them. Um, Can but, you remember any of Well, yeah. So I was going to tell you. So on, um, in the movie, they have a clip from Bill O'Reilly who says, and this is in response to what Natalie Maine said in London about George W. That she's essentially she's ashamed he's from Texas and that she doesn't support the war. I just want us to keep that in mind. Those were her words. Bill O'Reilly said that she was a callous, foolish woman who deserved to be slapped because she said that. Jesus Christ. Like, isn't that just like it's so hypocritical? Like the hypocrisy of that is just it's it makes me sick honestly yeah i don't know the out of all the different topics that we've gone over this particular one irks me because it's literally it's slapping at least me in the face with this fucking hypocrisy because like okay outlaw country if outlaw you do what you want yeah i have i have the Freedom of speech is, you know, in America, that it, that is one of our rights. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I also want to uh, 
kind of add to this a uh, little more historical context um, that I know from listening to the You're Wrong About episode about the Dixie Chicks or the Chicks. Um, they mentioned that at this time when when Natalie Maine says this in London, um, George Bush is at his like highest approval ratings and they're like... Um, I want to say they set a record. I could be wrong about that, but I want to say a rec- they set a record for like the highest approval ratings that a president had ever received. And so the media was buying into that, right? And it's like they're because George Bush has all these high approval ratings, they're showing George W in like the best of light like over and over and over again because they know that if people see him and they like him and they have an approval for him the more good things they show of him the happier people are going to be and want to watch that but the more you show george w in this good light reading to children or whatever the higher his approval ratings are going to go up because you're not showing the other side to it this other side that natalie means is calling out in london and it's like I don't know this anti-war argument. The, I don't know. I mean, and, and I don't even know if if it's simply that. You know, I think again um, after doing a lot of this research, and I definitely I know I've said the name of this movie a million times, but I would tell everyone to watch the documentary "Shut Up and Sing." Um, it just really changed my perspective on um, well, and not just perspective, but my appreciation for the group as a whole. And, um, I, I noticed they don't really get spoken about a lot, but in interviews with Natalie, you see Emily and Marty and they are so supportive of her. Like interviewers will ask Natalie if she feels guilt for holding the band back for so long. Um, and questions like that in the band, you can tell every time, like they get kind of annoyed when people ask that. Cause they're like, we supported her. Like we agree with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't remember what I was reading, but whenever it, that it happened, like there was, uh, from what I heard, this is just tangential of people kind of reacting in the crowd, but them not thinking much about it. Um, you know, until this firestorm happened after the, you know, the concert the next day, but they easily, you know, could have gone off and found a new lead singer, but instead, you know, they committed to this camaraderie that they had with her and their beliefs and their morals, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think that that is um, something really important. I don't know if we talked about this earlier. Uh, I meant to ask you too. I read that Natalie Maines is from Lubbock, Texas. Yes. And I want to say I read that Emily and Marty might be from Dallas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I know they're in the North Texas. And then they all kind of um, got to like... At some point they met Natalie and at some point they really kind of started taking off yeah. in they Austin. Intru- they were introduced to Natalie by, by Natalie's dad. Yeah, I'm not sure like first. where that was though, like what city, but I know that oh, ultimately yeah, it did say Austin. Yeah. yeah, after they got connected, I know they really started playing in and around Austin, Texas, which I also think um you know, as Texans, we can tell you Austin's the most liberal blue part of Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I, I wonder if it should just be its own. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, and so, so it's just, I don't, it, 
it makes me think too. Like I, I kind of get where my, Natalie's coming from when she's like, why do people think I was like some, you know, gun slinging redneck, you know, right. yeah. <laughs> it's, it, you know, it's, it's, let's get, let's get into a little bit of, um, so here, uh, the CMA, uh, country music awards, uh, the, it was a CM, CMT. I used to watch CMT a lot. That's another nostalgic yeah. thing. Uh, country music tv i was thinking about that earlier too because um yeah that that was another way we got music and that watching cmt like my friends whose parents like country music that was how i first found taylor swift oh really yeah oh that's that's nice that's nice (laughs) um we would always watch cmt i would go to my my good friend uh bill's place and uh, we would sit around his like kitchen table and watch CMT with his family. Aww, that's <laughs> yeah. what people did, though. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. Especially in Texas, I feel like. I should, maybe even in that time, it was fucking that, that shit was going down with the Dixie Chicks. I don't know. I know. Isn't that weird to think about? I was mm-hmm. thinking about that, too. I'm like, did I just miss it? Like, did it just go sh- sh- right over my head? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we were so young. We were. We were. And so, yeah, the Country Music Association, CMA, uh, they held focus groups and they felt like they felt, um, they felt abandoned by Natalie's comments. Um, Landslide, a rendition of Fleetwood Mac's classic. Uh, it fell from number 10 in the charts. This is the top 100 billboard, uh, dropped from 10 to 43. Uh, in one week and Damn. that's that's a hell of a drop i will say i do remember hearing um that this particular version of landslide slide from them i do recall hearing that especially like on that late night radio station i recall hearing that a lot being mm. played a lot and i honestly think i probably even was more familiar with that version than the fleetwood, Mac the fleetwood version. Max, yeah. <laughs> yeah any i think there's just so much traction under that, that song name that yeah it just propelled uh, well, not in their case. <laughs> but also, I, I mean, I don't know if we've really talked about this yet, and maybe we should when you were reminiscing, but um, they're, and maybe we kind of have, they're obviously talented. They sold millions of records, but mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. the just the emotion behind, like, Natalie singing, like, Landslide, you know, it's such an emotional song that she's still able to contribute some sort of it factor to it that makes it her own mm-hmm. Um, and I really appreciate that. I feel that from a lot of their songs and music. Mm, yeah, no, agreed. A lot of soul. Yes, perfect word. So, um, you know, I mentioned Louisiana that my uh, family, you know, my oh, dad's yeah. side was from earlier. It's actually in the city that my dad lives in, Bossier City. Oh, uh, Louisiana. It's right outside Shreveport. Okay. Um, they. They held a rally. They used tractors to destroy Dixie Chick, Dixie Chick CDs and uh, <laughs> other, you know, items. God, yeah. They showed in the movie people having, like, disburning parties and throwing them away. And people are just, like, tossing their Dixie Chicks records into the trash. I'm like... Shit. It wasn't even, it wasn't even just uh, people, companies. Yeah, uh, true. Jumped in on it and, and uh, you know... Uh, uh, what do you what do you call the uh, Red Cross um, humanitarian yeah um, thing? So uh, Lipton iced tea, the American Red Cross. I'll, I'll read a quote from them in a se- or little snippet of them. But even their tour their tour bus driver was like, "No, I'm out." Gosh, <laughs> it. There's a funny quote that I didn't put in here, but she was like dissing on the bus driver, just like 
what like travel bus like come on i think they do that in the movie they show that in the movie it's really funny she's not like a, a dick about it right it's funny. Yeah, but she, she's <laughs> okay uh with the uh red cross i pulled this from wikipedia uh the same year the uh, american red cross refused a one million dollar promotional partnership with the dixie chicks the organization did not publicize the refusal. It was revealed by the chicks themselves in a May 20, uh, I always want to say 2016, 2006 interview on Howard Stern, on the Howard Stern show on Sirius Satellite Radio. According to the Red Cross spokesperson, Julie Whitmer, uh, the band uh, would have made a donation only if, quote, only if the American Red Cross would embrace the band's 2003 summer tour. Whitmer further said, quote, the Dixie Chicks controversy made it impossible for the American Red Cross to associate itself with the band because such association would have violated two of the founding principles of the organization, impartiality and neutrality. Should the Dixie Chicks uh, like to make should the Dixie Chicks like to make an unconditional financial donation to the American Red Cross? We gladly accept it. So uh, that was just. I don't know. They were just doing their promotional stuff. It seems like everybody was like starting to like everybody was getting on that bandwagon. I almost want to say sin wagon because uh, <laughs> it is a sin to, uh, in my opinion, to to bash somebody like this. Uh, yeah, and like uh, put big companies and and even in humanitarian groups were like, no, nah, no. Nah. There's something unsettling to me about a nonprofit group like not wanting to be associated with that when they're just there to like help people like i feel like it's one you bring up a great point in that 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 is fucked up that is fucked yeah like it's one thing to you know not be a sponsor for a nazi rally or like sure i don't know but one by not agreeing to you know support the dixie chicks in this way you're taking you're obviously not being impartial you're taking a side like mm-hmm, obviously for one mm-hmm. and then it's like the people who go to these concerts are probably the people who need the american red cross like <laughs> i just i don't understand i it makes me think of um you know you you see a lot of support from the dixie chicks from what we might consider, I, I mean, I don't want to call them outlaw groups, but groups that have traditionally been um, marginalized or um, not represented, um, especially the LGBTQ plus community. Um, you hear of them just like adoring the Dixie Chicks or people from the LGBTQ community. And you hear of, um, you know, feminists and um, just people who have been in places in their life where... Um, and we'll get into this more where they were hated by a group of people for living their life the way they believed and following their own moral compasses, right? Mm-hmm. And they supported the Dixie Chicks. And to me, it just seems like it's like, what if I'm trying to think of an example, but I know. There's a lot of places, um, or not a lot, but there's some places in Dallas, you know, that offer HIV testing and, um, you know, want to make sure that people have protection and be safe and they care about people. It doesn't matter if, you know, you, you're a Republican or a Democrat, you care about people and want to help them. Mm-hmm. 
And that's what humanitarianism should be about. I just don't, I don't like that. I'm yeah. sorry. I that is, that is, that's mixing two soups that should not be mixed. Um, yeah, that, that, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Um, cause I don't know. Trying to go help people in need and, and worrying about fucking personal politics. It's uh, yeah, it's a, it's a nasty combo and I hate it. Yeah, and it kind of just reinforces the politics, right? So I, I mean, David yeah, and I were right? talking picking earlier. Sides is is a you know picking when you say you don't want to pick a side, that's you picking a side. Exactly, that's what we were talking about earlier. That's what I was just gonna yeah. say, and um, I think we see that even more. Uh, with what we're going to get to, but I want to just quickly note, because I think it's going to come back around after um, David kind of brings up the next point of conversation, but um, it's also kind of subscribing to the quote unquote man, right? Like you're saying, like we as a country music audience, we have these particular expectations. If they don't meet these expectations, then they're canceled. We're literally throwing them in the trash. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have these record labels that are like, okay, the audience doesn't like this. You have to change. And the Dixie chicks are like, no, <laughs> you have to change. Yeah. And like this, I think we see the, the, um, I don't know if it's the origins because things like that had been happening in music for a while, but mm-hmm it kind of becomes, I think, a turning point in the music world for the Dixie Chicks to, again, stay so committed to their beliefs against, um, you know, the man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no. That, there's a lot packed in there, especially with... Oh, I just, I can't, I can't get over that, that nonprofit thing. It's just, it's, it's, it's... I don't know. I don't know. Let's let's get it's into unsettling. the settling. It's yeah, unsettling so much. So, um, let's get into a little bit of the fallout. I think we can expand the conversation a little bit from yes. here. So, um, in that uh, podcast that we linked in the show notes, it's called Rivals. It's uh, I think it's titled Toby Keith versus the Dixie Chicks. Um, right. Semicolon something. Um, but they had they had like an ideological beef. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I, like I said at the, the top of the show, I was a big Toby Keith fan, and then after doing this research, I'm not not as much. They Toby Keith was bashing them in what was it? It was their song. What song was it? It was whenever. Right after, not ready to make nice. Yeah, yeah. They uh, said something about um, shit. I can't even remember exactly what it was. They kind of had this back and forth game. Yeah, it was uh, so Toby Keith. A lot of country music stars, which I'm kind of there's this one that I think of right off the top of my head. The Have you forgotten? Have you forgotten that nine eleven? Song. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah they talked about that famous... in a podcast I listened to, but right. I, I don't, I'm not actually that familiar with the song. Yeah, a lot, <laughs> a lot of artists were kind of, I don't know, I don't want to say taking advantage of it. Um, no, but, they were taking yeah, advantage of really it. Yeah, really playing into it and, you know, sold albums. And Toby Keith had this one song called... Um, Something about the USA, right? Is that red, white, and blue? Freedom for the red, white, and blue. <laughs> I love how you just said red, white, and blue. 
Hold on. I'll, uh, talk for a second, Shannon. I'll find it. Whiskey for my men, bear for my horses. <laughs> like, who would even like that song? Why are you giving the beer to the horses? I think they say in that podcast to call PETA. <laughs> David's just having me ramble about watching him keep all of this into the podcast. <laughs> Because I'm so smart. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kidding. called the, the Lord. <laughs> it's called Courtesy of the Red, White, and Blue. Courtesy and of the Red, White, and Blue. Yeah. You, you almost said it, right? God, I should just go. So but uh, there's a line in there that says, like, uh, we'll put a boot in your ass because it's the American way. Yeah. You're and the we're Dixie in the Chicks USA. were like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it, was, it was the Dixie Chicks were calling out the hypocrisy of Toby Keith. And then Toby Keith kept like coming back and like clapping back at him with like some really like. I don't want to defend Toby Keith, but um, what really did happen was Natalie at one point was like, anybody can write, put a boot in your ass, (laughs) which is true. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, she did criticize like the lyrics of the song, which if I was a songwriter, I might take personally, but also like. It's not a good song. And I think even Toby Keith would probably admit that now. Um, And I think, uh, was it in the podcast we listened to? They were talking about how Toby Keith didn't even want that song to be a single. Like, honestly, before this whole... They said, you know what, if I, this is not in connection to your question, but it, it's funny. Uh, they said in the podcast that Toby Keith wrote it in like 20 minutes on the back of a like, yeah. piece of paper. I think that is so like, oh my God, Toby Keith, what the fuck? Uh, I mean, and now it's like played during firework shows. Right. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, and so um, what I was going to say is I, I think it was in the, the, What's it called? Battles? Battle Royale? What was it? Rivals. 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 Oh, I came up with a better name for your podcast. Just kidding. Um, but they talk about how um, Toby Keith didn't even really want that to be a single, but he went and performed it at um, some sort of military event, like for an, for the Army or the Marines or something like that. He performed it for them. Um, and up until that point, Toby Keith had apparently been like a diehard registered Democrat. Do Mm -hmm. you remember them saying that? Oh yeah. Um, and so I just kind of thought that it was interesting that this feud not only like created this duality between the chicks and Toby Keith, but it really kind of seemed to reveal the, um, you know, how far someone's going to go. Like, because the the Dixie Chicks stuck to their guns. They're now the Chicks because they've stuck to their guns so much. Mm -hmm. Um, But Toby Keith, you know, he kind of made the decision to sell out. And I think there are pros and cons to each choice. And and that's exactly what it comes down to is a choice. It's success, fame, or your morals and your values and truth and – practicing what you preach i guess i don't yeah yeah you're right yeah the uh, both of them actually really which i'm kind of you know i don't know not spent with that's the wrong verb but both of them standing their grounds on their ideals uh and i guess what they viewed as to be right which that was the whole fucking point is the freedom of speech. Like I should be able to, I should be able to say like, I want to put a boot in your ass and, and, you know, but that, that's a horrible <laughs> I mean, lyric to, to use that example with, but 
nonetheless, it was still that argument about that free speech and, and, and I don't know. Yeah, and I, I don't think we've gotten there yet, but I think for me, um, the real turning point with Toby Keith came to that performance. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? The Saddam Hussein one? Yeah. Yeah, he held a concert, you, you mentioned a little earlier, The I think it was a military benefit of some kind, and um, had like a doctor photo of um, Natalie Maines uh, in the photo with Saddam Hussein, like being buds, and I'm like, what, this is... That, yeah, that, that, when I learned that, I was like, okay, I did not know that that had happened. And that's real fucked up. Like, I don't know who the fuck, okay, like greenlit that shit, but like, that's a, that's over the line. That's over the line a little bit. It's, to me, it's freedom of speech in a way that you could write the, I don't know, you could write, um, like, if you really wanted to, you could write the F word. That's a derogatory term for LGBTQ plus people. You could spray paint that on a stop sign, call it graffiti or whatever. But, like, that's a lack of human decency and a choice you chose to make that I think comes back to um, really thinking about this from a rhetorical perspective. So we have signs and symbols and language and the choices that we make with them are reflective of who we are and who we want the world to be. So when you spray paint the F word, the N word, you know, if you're Islamophobic, if you're homophobic, you are making particular choices that you may not think Im- implicate other people, but they do. And the Dixie Chicks, I have to say, like, for... <laughs> I can't blame them for hating on Toby Keith, but because he really lacked a, a sense of decency, I think, oh. by... Understate, understated. Yeah. yeah. Definitely was it's childish, like, honestly, in my opinion. I don't want to necessarily compare that to, mm. like, using derogatory words for people, but what he did, I I don't necessarily... And I, I don't even necessarily think if it, it falls into the same category as that. Mm. Um it honestly, and I, I think we might talk about this in a little bit, it kind of reminds me of the um, Taylor Swift-Kim Kanye feud. Oh, yeah. Do you know about that? Uh, Wait, where Kanye like interrupted her? Well, there's that, but <laughs> <laughs> um, there was actually one more recently where um, uh, Kanye, there's this video recording where Kanye called Taylor to ask if in his song, famous he could say um something like it's something about him and taylor having sex and oh, yeah then he says and, and you hear him ask about that line and she's like oh that's funny um but then in the song itself and you don't see this in the video he says something about him and taylor swift just might have sex damn i made that bitch famous and taylor swift like she takes <laughs> being called a bitch by Kanye the same man who just like you said interrupted her at the music awards she's like how are you entitled to call me that but the way it comes out is like um a lot of Kim Kanye fans saw and and you know I will say I'm obviously extremely biased towards Taylor Swift (laughs) I actually do um enjoy uh keeping up with Kardashians here and there I have a lot of respect for Kim and um, I do enjoy some of Kanye's music. I do have respect for him as well. But I think that they turned 
nothing into something and created this controversy where Taylor Swift looked like the bad guy for making it look like she approved her name being used in the song when she didn't actually approve it being used the way it was. Uh And it's sort of that. And I I think this does come back to And maybe that's what that rivals podcast was missing is there is this sort of gender dynamic there where as a woman, you feel that you have to respond to masculinity in a particular way, or you're going to face the criticism and I believe it's actually in the Netflix documentary Miss Americana Taylor Swift says um you know I I have struggled I really regret 2016 and not coming out in support of um you know the Democrats and um she says but I had to think about and I have people telling me you know her managers whatever all of her people telling her like you don't want to get Dixie chicked I remember you telling me about that one. Yeah. And it's like, uh, and and I've read a lot of articles where I I do think that Taylor Swift gets to exist in an area era that we kind of grew up in. Whereas like with the Dixie chicks, they were grown and we were still growing up. Mm -hmm. But what we've gotten to see is how um, culture society has shifted. And so people don't, you know, question when Taylor Swift says, you know, shade never made anybody less gay, um, which she says, and you need to calm down, um, which was a song she released. And and I do think that it's, if I'm ever going to criticize Taylor Swift, it's for making the decision to release um, what comes off as a gay pride anthem in June and pride month to kind of exploit and capitalize off you know, Pride Month. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in Miss Americana, she does say if she is going to do that, she has to come out with her values and her political beliefs, and that is what she did. Um, do I think the capitalism kind of, you know, unevens that out? Yeah, kind of. But at the same time, she she does come out and take this stance. Mm-hmm. However, we're at a different point than the Dixie Chicks were, and to me. I think that's why I'm just like I've told David earlier, I would die for them. I have so much just like respect for them after watching Shut Up and seeing that like they really just I've just honestly, I'm kind of getting emotional thinking about I cannot think of anyone else who has risked so much to stick to their morals and just continued over and over and over again to stick to them to become more progressive to mm-hmm. inspire change like i just can't think of you know and it's really uh adult of natalie main uh names right mains mains natalie mains to there was multiple times where she's kind of where she kind of break it down she's like yo like you know this is what i believe and here's my moral here is my moral compass um this is it's big of her to apologize and then like her knowing her position in the ideological battle, the one that's going on in the zeitgeist, you know, in, in yeah. the two thousands and, um, I don't know. Yeah. Sticking to those guns. I I'm definitely a moral person myself and, and I can always, um, appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, it, I don't know. I, I, it makes me think of, and I guess, um, we, I, I could kind of bring this up now. Um, not ready to make nice 
definitely my favorite song. I've probably listened to it like 50 times in the past three days because I heard it for like the first time on Friday at the end of the Shut Up and Sing movie. Mm-hmm. And it made me cry to to hear the the words she's singing. Um, and, and I just wanted to point this out because um, I will say Take the Long Way and Gaslighter were the two main pieces of theirs I really checked out and listened to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I, I found Not Ready to Make Nice just really struck me. There's a particular um, part where she says, I made my bed and I sleep like a baby. With no regrets, I don't mind saying it's a sad, sad story when a mother will teach her daughter that she ought to hate a perfect stranger. And how in the world can the words that I said send somebody so over the edge that they'd write me a letter saying I better shut up and sing or my life will be over? I'm, I have goosebumps right now. Oh <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh... I really wish I would have watched. I think I'll I'll go back and and watch that documentary because just the way you're talking about it, really. Can I ask you when I read um, when a mother will teach her daughter that she ought to hate a perfect stranger? What does that make you think of in response to this? Uh, my mind jumps to parenting um, and maybe even early, kind of connecting a little bit with what I said being a product of an environment in which. The I said the word or the phrase thought bubbles earlier, and I don't know raising like I don't know. No, so, I, there's this phrase that uh, it's like the the sins of the father the, or you know sins of the mother in yeah. this case. Uh, yeah. you know, or the sins of the daughter, and uh, which is which that, is great because that's gonna swing over perfectly in just a second. But I just wanted to say that when I first heard that line, I associated it with like her or like because we didn't really get into it here and I don't know if now's a good time but I was telling David about narrative theory earlier and how it's kind of a methodology used to explore different types of narratives and this song in particular is a narrative that doesn't necessarily have a clear um protagonist person that it's about like it's it's just natalie singing the song but i don't think we can just assume it's about her um but when i heard those lyrics my first thought went to um having a child and having a president whose values are so different than yours that you you know you you teach your kids like those aren't your values. Your values are going to be to make a difference, to make the world better, to treat people with kindness. Mm. And that was the first thing I thought of when I heard that was like, we're hating a president, someone we don't really know, but they have all this power. But in reading a bunch of articles about this song, I found um, a lot of the times they say that that line is about um, people who would stand outside their concerts with like signs and stuff saying, you know, F U D C or whatever, which, um, I told David earlier, Natalie would be really funny at the concerts whenever they'd hold up the F U D C signs. And she'd be like, I like your signs, but I really hate, or like, why do y'all hate Dick Cheney so much? Uh, that's <laughs> I funny. just loved that. Dick Cheney. Um, but to kind of circle back to what, you were saying a little bit ago about um, the sins of your father. Mm-hmm. Um, so on the other side of not ready to make nice, 
literally, what is this, 14 years later, we have Gaslighter, which opens Gaslighter, Denier, doing anything to get your ass farther. Gaslighter, big timer, repeating all of the mistakes of your father. Which goes back to that sort of connections of like passing down like a generation. How do you, how do you, you know, disrupt a generation of thought, which I feel like is kind of what the Dixie Chicks are always constantly doing. You were mentioning earlier about the LGBTQ plus community. Yeah. Um, and I, I didn't say it then, but like the empowerment, like from the get go, I feel like when you look at that, I don't know, the aesthetic of their band, their genre, you get this like feeling of like empowerment. And I think that's why, like, I don't know. That's, I, that's why. And no, that's, that's a really great point. I'm, I'm actually really glad you brought that up because, um, I don't know. I, I don't talk about this a whole lot, but, um, what you just said really strikes a chord with me because people, Often, in people of privilege, in particular, especially, um, don't understand how scary, how intimidating, and how, you know, as a person, you have to be brave to protest. And especially during this time period. Um, so I was really young when, um, my parents took me to my first protest. It was against the Westboro Baptist Church. Are you familiar with them? Um, and they were actually outside of a Jewish synagogue in Dallas, but tons of people from all walks of life, um, showed up to support the synagogue and the people who were there. And I was a really little kid. Um, well, not super little. I was old enough to recognize that what was happening was an important moment to me. I I can picture it all very vividly. Mm -hmm. Um, and I remember it was kind of in that moment where my mom took the time. It was a very Hank Hill moment. (laughs) Um, she kind of explained the whole concept of, um, casting the first stone, you know, have you heard that? Yeah. And how, you know, you don't go for someone first and you don't retaliate, but you do stand up for yourself and you stand up for what's right and you stand up for others. And the Dixie Chicks are a really good example of that. And I think, too, when you think about these record labels who are just screwing over art artists and audiences alike um that's a fight i think in the zeitgeist right now that's really important um and we see that with taylor swift and and her label over and over again she i just wanted to say this i'm so sorry and then i'll stop talking about taylor swift but she has this song on one of her new albums that i honestly didn't like the first time i heard it it's called my tears ricochet have you heard that song Mm -mm. and it's about um someone being at her wake and there's these lines in it that are like, we gather stones, never knowing what they'll mean, some to throw, some to make a diamond ring. And I know those lyrics are like kind of cheesy, but they're uh-huh. so Dixie Chicks-esque, I feel like, <laughs> yeah. um, that you think of stones and you think of apologies, beds, like all these different like 
um, metaphors that are strung out, especially I think in feminist country songs, um, that have all these dualities and meanings. And I think it does come back wherein Taylor Swift says like some to throw or some to make a diamond ring. You can see the stone one way or the other, but a way of seeing also a way of not seeing i love it <laughs> i love it yeah no no you make it you you made many great points in that last Sorry. Day. i wanted i wanted to let you ramble because jumping off was now all... i thought about that all of that a lot too so i came prepared to not talk in circles <laughs> um i there's a few more things that I just yeah absolutely um you know we want to i want to go over the name change that they decided to uh do yeah this was uh in june 2020 uh the band changed their name to the chicks dropping the word dixie uh which references the mason dixon line which separated the free northern states and the slave owning southern states uh the ch- name change uh followed criticism that the word had connotations of american slavery american slavery which is obvious <laughs> um but i don't even know why they put that there um the band said that they had picked that quote that stupid name as teenagers and had wanted to change it for years you were telling me a little bit about them changing um oh my god like from the beginning that's when they were um wanting to yeah but reading this made me think of another sin that's like super embarrassing that okay. I just literally just triggered in my mind. So <laughs> I think one of the other reasons I wasn't into their Dixie tricks as a kid was the only thing I associated Dixie with was Dixie cups. Yeah. And I was like, why would they call themselves the Dixie Chicks? Like, why did they name themselves after like a brand of cups? <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, the branding, the branding power behind. So, um, anyways, that's my support for dropping the Dixie. Keep it out. The yeah. Chicks is a much cooler name. Yeah, I remember <laughs> when all that. I think that's when the uh, statue things were. Or, or, was it? No, no, yeah. it's 2020. Jesus, was that in 2020? Um, I mean, 2019 into 2020. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Shannon, uh, we kind of uh, went through that meme potatoes. It was a lovely meal. Uh, let's get into the closing segment, yeah. uh, the conspiracy corner. So I put in here, um, uh, I'll have to link the article or whatever who wrote this um, in the show notes. I apologize for you know not knowing your name right off the top of my head. I think it was a John or something. But uh, he says, are the Dixie Chicks victims of a right-wing conspiracy? Uh, that's what their manager, Simon Renshaw, had told country music stations being pressured to drop the chicks music after lead singer uh, Natalie Maines comments about uh, the president. In an email to stations distributed by Sony Music, their label or in an email to their station distributed by Sony Music, their label, Renshaw says that the protest had been orchestrated by the Free Republic, a website for independent grassroots conservative uh, conservatives. Um, the Jim Robinson, the founder of the Free Republic, uh, alleges that this uh, recent anti-war protests uh, are a quote communist organized demonstration uh your company is being targeted by the radical right-wing online forum Rinshaw says in the email quote you are being freeped which is a weird fucking i'm gonna pause here is a weird fucking like 
that's not even grammatically correct and it really pisses me off um which is a code word for being like organized uh email and telephone efforts to yeah get their things i don't know uh, you said it, they don't mention it much in shut up and sing but uh in my research i keep seeing this like there was just like those fervent people after the controversy or after she said those comments they were like oh no no not american um or they're un-american uh for saying these sorts of things and and kind of took it and ran with it and and this is when we start just fucking going down the fucking rabbit hole of ideologies and really taking it to the nth degree and i i really don't want to spend too much well, time. yeah go ahead. yeah sorry before you close off though because it makes me think you know the the larger and more obvious conspiracy here isn't like the right wing right it's just the media as a whole sure i mean explain yourself I mean, you know, I, even as much as, you know, I, I love it be, my ideas being re- reinforced when I watch MSNBC, but that's not realistic. You know, life isn't one perspective, one sided, one angle. Sure. Life in the, in the media should have a responsibility to represent that, but they don't. And even in this case, they didn't. They failed then. You know, like nobody was out there saying, the Tixie Chicks are the only ones against the war. Why are they the only ones against the war? Why is no one else against war, violence, poverty, you know? Like, why are the Dixie Chicks single-handedly <laughs> carrying this cause? It just blows my, right. my mind. <laughs> why are these lizard people taking down country me- outlaw country? No. Okay, yeah, I don't want to spend too much more time on it. Shannon, um, uh, do you want to bring any, I guess topics that you may may have missed throughout our, our, our dealings here um you know we we covered a lot of it i do want to say that um obviously for me to really get and appreciate this um music the in, in the moment the dixie chicks were in i drew a lot of correlations to taylor swift who i am a very huge and big fan of But earlier we were talking and I think that, you know, my immediate just undying loyalty for the Dixie Chicks, but also for Taylor Swift sort of comes from this place that their lyrics and their music and their compassion is so genuine and they're trying to actively make changes. And I think in Shut Up and Sing, you really do see how involved Natalie Maines is in the songwriting process, which is something I do kind of wish I would have talked about a little more. But that involvement is what rings true to the human condition. Like, it's that honesty um, that only the kind of narratives that Taylor Swift and Natalie means like when they put their personal lives into their songs, you can tell in ways that what make not ready to make nice, a significantly different song than goodbye Earl. Um, and Taylor Swift has that as well, right? She has shake it off and, um, hmm. you know, contrast that with, you know, whichever love song you want. Um, take it, take it, take your pick. <laughs> but there's something to be said for leading by example and for, keeping to your values and morals that I think like we, like I said earlier, that's just something I'm really stuck on that I can't get over how committed they are to that. And Mm. it's just something I find truly inspirational. And I hope that if I'm ever put in a position where I'm forced to choose success or finances or wealth, that 
it, but it's going to be up against my morals or values. I, I hope to God I choose my morals and values and right. I don't get Dixie chicked. Right. Yeah. That's a great. Oh, I, I love the way you said that. Um, I, great takeaway, Shannon. Thank you. I love it. <laughs> um, for me, I think that I, I don't know. We talked about a lot of different things and there's a lot of different takeaways that you can take away from takeaways that you can take away from. I know it's Jeez. hard to think so, of other words to say though. I was thinking about that earlier too. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Um, gather, <laughs> gather my takeaways. Um, yeah, you can gather a lot from all that we talked about. I think maybe I want to, I don't know if I use this verb specifically, but mob mentality, um, that, you know, we've been talking about wagons and, and bandwagons and sin wagons. And, uh, specifically I want to, I want to point out bandwagons, um, and this mob mentality, like once, uh, you know, I don't know the psychology behind it and why, you know, um, this mob mentality is created. I think it's just, I don't know, little, little, um, sheep and wolf type of, of, you know, play on it i was thinking about the uh, most dangerous game episode yeah and oh yeah that, yeah um, sorry i see where this I, is going now yeah, exactly <laughs> uh making sure that you didn't i hate to use the same takeaway for two different episodes in the same wave i guess is what we're gonna call it um but making sure that you don't i use the in, in the most dangerous game i said to make sure you don't turn off uh, make sure Ensure that you don't become no, General Zaroff or something. You of said that. be, which I oh come on, come, it always comes back to beds. You said be sure you're not the one sleeping in General Zaroff's bed right, because right. you made your bed and now it's on fire. Yeah, exactly. oh my god! And yes. I made my bed and I sleep like a baby. Right? <laughs> and yeah, I think it's the same with this mom mentality. You know, you get, uh, you see it, it. I did not want to bring up cancel culture because I think it is so played out. There's a lot of people people have talked cancel culture into the ground but make sure that we don't fall into it sucks that we have to you know dig ourselves out of these moral moral holes essentially yeah, like moral quandaries and, and not fall into these pitfalls that you know joe schmo or you know suzy q is going to fall into and so yeah uh, just ensure just being i don't know be a little informed, you know. It's it's you know when I think when I listen to that, that Rivals podcast, I was really taken aback by the back and forth that the Dixie Chicks and t- especially Toby Keith. This is why I'm like, I kind of I don't know if you you've been around me before recording this, but I, I you know I had I had like a secret love for Toby Keith, and after today, I do not, I do not like. I still enjoy his music. It's a nice you know that, but like. I don't know. He bought into that whole country conservative, like literally, like swapped the aisle or whatever, yeah. went across the aisle, um, just to play into that and quote, quote unquote sell out. Yeah, and it, he went with the mob. You know that what you just said um, kind of makes me think about something. I I think about a lot because I see this on the internet all the time. Where if you are really into something that another group is into you're called a sheep have you seen this Mm -hmm. sheeple and it's so odd to me that that's the term that was chosen because you always hear about like stories about the outlaw sheep so it's like so you have a choice to like go be an outlaw sheep or you can stay with the herd and like 
take care of each other. Like each option is there if Mm -hmm. you're a sheep. And to me, it kind of seems like, I know this is so crazy, but I always just, whenever people say you're a sheep, I just immediately picture, oh man, I don't know. Is it called a flock of sheep? I truly don't know what a group of sheep are called, but I just see them in my head (laughs) and I just imagine being one of them. And it's like, it also kind of seems kind of nice to be one of them where you're, you know, you're taken care of and there's, this group that's looking out for you and so i just kind of think it's funny that you see that with the dixie chicks in then what ultimately becomes the fans who stayed with them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah no uh, and that's just exactly oh man it's just uh i, I said product of your environment so many times this episode yeah uh, you know whenever you're ingratiated like i was in the i don't know in the fervor of toby keith yeah. or whatever the fuck you know my uh when i first got to college my roommate her name was shade she worked at toby keith's bar and grill at oh, Star, okay right, right into um, oklahoma and i was like obsessed i was like <laughs> obsessed i was like i need to go yeah <laughs> to go. um and yeah I don't know. Uh, now, now I'm thinking a little different, and I think that's where we're all we're all keeping. I, I uh, want to, you know, encourage the audience to uh, think about these different uh, perspectives that one the Dixie Chicks have, and then maybe even you know placate to the Toby Keith argument as well. You know, um, absolutely. A way of saying is not a way of not saying. It it's is. Like I fucked that up. <laughs> no, I, I think you said that really well because you you have to think about if you are going to change your mind about Toby Keith after listening to this. I think it's important to have a solid justification that comes from your own personal moral reasoning as to why you don't like him, because otherwise you're just... Right. What is your moral compass telling you about Toby Keith? About Toby Keith? (laughs) To me, it really comes down to his nasty kind of... um, Jabbish. A jabbish way of using his masculinity against the Dixie Chicks, which... Toxic, which I might it's say. It's toxic. Yes, that's a great word. Thank you, Brittany. Um, <laughs> that is a great word to put it because it's... If they don't respond, they look weak. Yep. They look like they're... Uh, I don't want to say that. Uh, but they look weak. They look inferior. They don't look like these strong women of the music they represent so yeah it becomes a cat fight which i hate but it's this feud that we've seen long-standing feuds before in history i'm sure we'll talk about more in future episodes but it they have this obligation to respond to toby keith in order to you know continue they're expressing their values and who they are. Like they have a responsibility to that. And as long as he keeps the game going, like it's be, and it's because I feel like of the gender dynamic, they have no choice but to respond because if they don't, it's just like, (sighs) you lose all credibility as a woman, Mm -hmm. as a, as a group of women in a band. Yeah. I don't know. No, that's, that's a great point. Great point. I don't like that he put them in that position, and that's why I don't like Toby Keith. And it, yep, it, yep, yep. And I, I will say, like, his songs are goofy. I like the point that the guy in Rivals made. Like, if you like his goofy music, like, I get that. But after this, it's like, it's clear that 
You have this group that has values and you have Toby Keith who sells out. And mm -hmm. yeah, they made, like you said, just a second ago, they definitely made it to point to, they made it a point to distinguish pre Toby Keith before this Dixie Chicks incident yeah. and post Toby Keith after the Dixie Chicks incident. And it's all still centered around this man. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's stuck in a patriarchal cycle that, the Dixie Chicks didn't even want to be a part of, and he forced them into it. Right, and they seem like they seem like they're pissed off that they have to, you know, okay, engage one, with it. One last time, okay. But just to kind of wrap up, um, Taylor Swift has the song that she. Um, there's a music video for it as well. It's called "The Man." Have you ever heard it? Mm -mm. And she's basically like, "What does she say? I would be complex. I would be cool. <laughs> They'd say I'd." I don't even really remember what all she says in that song, but like she basically says what she'd be like if she was a man and like her life would be a lot easier because what does she say? If I was out flashing my dollars, I'd be a bitch, not a baller. Oh, <laughs> um, like, but if I was a man, I'd be the man I'd be the, I would literally be the man because I'm Taylor Swift. And right now I'm the woman, but because she's a woman, people are just like, Oh, that's Taylor Swift. She writes love songs about boys. Mm -hmm. um, when really she's like this powerful figure who oh, yeah. has a lot of lot of a lot of pool, a lot of pool, a lot a huge platform and a huge foundation and a solid. You know, it brings up the Kanye thing with him. That's the toxic. I, I don't. Uh, what what? Yeah. Con, what did Kanye say exactly? I'm sorry. Um, uh, that sec not the one where he interrupted. Oh yeah, okay. The I one made that bitch but famous. That, yeah, that line in his song. And oh, that's toxic too. God and damn. I'd be a bitch, not a baller. Is clearly a callback to that mm -hmm. because it's like, would Kanye have done that if she were a man? No, I don't know if you've heard any of of her or heard her music. But have you? Uh, do you know of Olivia Rodrigo? So she's an up and coming singer. I think uh, one of her popular songs earlier this year was Driver's License. Um, one I really like is called Good For You. But I was reading that Olivia Rodrigo gave an interview where she talks about when she met Taylor Swift for the first time. Taylor Swift said something to the extent that the way you treat other people comes back to you. And I just think it's so incredible that Taylor Swift did this, this mega million pop star who still keeps that at the forefront of her mind and i mean if you grew up in the bible belt you know that's pretty much the golden rule treat others the way you want to be treated yep. and i think i've heard it as the golden rule it's nice to be reminded that there is this sort of sense of celebrity and icon that i mean i would put the dixie chicks up there with taylor swift mm -hmm. and that they still kind of have that fundamental belief and oh, yeah. and that gravitas to and that back gravitas that's a great way to put that yeah yeah thank cool. you no problem the end yeah exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> shannon oh man we ran long today uh we had I a lot we oh, i said at the top <laughs> i said at the top of the episode yeah it's gonna be a long one today you know if you want to support us in our long ramblings about uh taylor swift <laughs> <laughs> and toby keith and our 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 loves for different music genres. Um, definitely go support us over on Patreon at patreon.com slash WDM one. Um, you know, uh, the, the support is appreciated. Uh, but you know, otherwise, uh, if you want to go ahead and subscribe to our Facebook page and our Instagram page as well, that'd be cool. 
Um, Shannon, I'm I'm ready to get out of here. Um, it's a hot day in Texas. Yeah, and I am thinking about maybe taking a cold shower. Ooh, that sounds good. Do you like taking cold showers? Oh, I don't know. I don't know why I said that sounds good. No, <laughs> no, no. It doesn't I mean, work. I am hot, so maybe like drinking some cold water sounds nice. But yeah. um, well. Anyways, sorry. Um, Check us out next time because it's going to be our extra special, very special episode. Just kidding. But I mean, maybe not. We're going to get spooky with it with our Halloween ooh. episode. Oh, yeah. We're going to get spooky with it. It's for sure. mysterious. Oh. I wink at David. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's only appropriate. The mystery in, in, in the Halloween times. I love it. Is well, it time to say goodbye? Because I finally have a really good one. Are you ready? Yeah, yeah, it is time to. Are you ready? (laughs) Are you ready? I've got to go throw Toby Keith's CDs in the trash. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go rent a bulldozer and and, and, uh, roll over all my Toby Keith CDs that are hidden under my bed and not in a lockbox. See you in I'm going to stop. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Goodbye, everybody. Have a good night. Bye. Zeitgeist is a bi-weekly podcast recorded in the DFW, Austin, and San Antonio areas in the state of Texas. The podcast is hosted, produced, and edited by me, David Lonnie Waters. My co-host and researcher for the show is Shannon Boffman. All of Waters Media shows are funded by you over on Patreon at patreon.com WDM1. The following names are at the highest tier of the producer level, and I am humbled. Thanks, Hughes. Sharon.